Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Our interview guest today is Sophia Smith of the Portland Thorns and U.S. Women's National Team. Before we get going, you can sign up for a subscription to my writing site at grantwall.com, which is celebrating its one-year anniversary this week. That's grantwall.com. Now, here's my interview with Sophia Smith. Our guest now is the MVP favorite this season in the NWSL and one of the electric young attackers on the U.S. women's national team. Sophia Smith has 11 goals for the first place Portland Thorns and recently helped lead the United States to the CONCACAF championship. Sophia, congratulations on everything you're doing and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So we're going to talk Portland. We're going to talk the national team. But first, I want to ask you about something that you posted on Twitter a few years ago. And it was a cool photograph of young you with Abby Wambach when she was with the U.S. Women's National Team. What were the circumstances around that photograph? Yeah, so I had just gotten my first cap with the U.S. Women's National Team. And I mean, I just remember she tweeted something about me getting my first cap. And and I like thought to myself, I was like, wait, I have a picture with her when I was little. And I remember going and watching her play with the women's national team and her being a huge reason why I, you know, started to have the dreams that I had and started to really work towards being on the national team and, and that being one of my biggest goals. So I had my mom dig around to find the picture. Um, and I tweeted it back at her and just said, you are, you know, a big reason why I am where I am today. And just, yeah, to thank her for being an inspiration. It was a really cool exchange between the two of you because you, you had a little back and forth, I remember. And have you had any interactions with Abby Wambach since then? No, that's, I mean, that's really it. Okay, interesting. I guess she's also an owner in the league now with Angel City. So she's a little bit of an opponent now. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of, yeah, a little bit of a, you know, a rival. But I mean, I'm always following her and her wife. I think they're some of the coolest people. But I'm just, yeah, grateful that, even that interaction happened. Nice. Um, so right now, things seem to be going really well with the Thorns. First place in the league. You're scoring a lot of goals. You've got 11 now on the season. Why do you think things are going so well? What's coming together for y'all? Um, I mean, I think it's a lot of a lot of things. I think we came into the season, you know, there was a lot of change. We had a new coach, a new ownership, new players, new faces. I think going into the season, realizing that we have to take it game by game and not look too far ahead of ourselves because the NWSL season is a long season. And if you get, you know, caught trying to look too far ahead or, you know, focusing on what hasn't happened yet, I think that's when you kind of start to struggle. And this group has done a really good job of growing every single day, whether it's in training and a game, you know, just building that chemistry and those relationships on and off the field. I feel like we've put a lot of attention in the details and yeah, just taking each day as it is and each challenge as it is every game, you know, is a new opportunity. And I think we are just focused on that. And I think that's what is helping us and allowing us to be successful as we, 
yeah, we are just very in the moment. What in particular about your game individually, especially the goal scoring part of it, has taken a leap this year? What are what are you seeing? I think it's just confidence and the, you know, the freedom to be myself and to play, you know, how I like to play and, and the way I feel I'm I'm best playing. I think it fits into this team really well. I think everyone brings, you know, their specialty to the game and and our coaching staff and, and the Thorns as a program allows people to be special and to be themselves and figuring out a way to be able to do that as well as helping my team in any way that I can. I think it's just, it's, it's gone really well. And I think that's allowed me to be more confident um, regardless of my age, regardless of how many years I've had in the league. I, I feel like I've found my place um, and I'm just having fun. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm not, you know, stressing out about, you know, awards or, you know, any of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not thinking too much about, I'm honestly just having fun. And I think, with that comes goals. I love scoring goals and, and ultimately, you know, our team winning. I'm glad you're not stressing out about awards or nominations. I, I am sort of angry on your behalf today, though, because <laughs> the Ballon d'Or nominations came out. And um, I think there are three Americans and two NWSL players on the nomination list. I would have thought if that were the case that you would be one of them because you've had a terrific year. Um, were you, I was surprised about this. I don't know if I'd say I was angry, but I mean, like, were you surprised? Um, no. I mean, I'm pretty used to kind of being, I don't know, not talked about. <laughs> um, I feel like I have stopped caring about those things because, you know, a lot of the time it's, it's not going to be what you want. Um, and ultimately those awards don't mean a lot to me. I'm happy with where I am. I'm proud of, you know, what I've been able to accomplish so far. And obviously I want to, you know, do a lot more. And if those awards come great, if they don't, you know, it is what it is, but I'm just, I, I'd say I'm just used to it at this point. <laughs> I know one award I'm sure you're excited about and, and really pushing for is winning the NWSL title later this season. And obviously y'all are on a good track right now, but your league has playoffs, obviously. Like what to you are the most important things that you and your team need to do to put yourselves in a position to keep that momentum going through the playoffs and win that trophy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of continuing what we've been doing. I think it's very easy towards the end of the season for teams to get comfortable or to stop doing the, de the little details um, and to be tired. Rightfully so, it's a long season, but I think as long as we can continue to keep uh, take each game as it is and, you know, focus on putting everything we have into, you know, the game that we have at that moment, that's going to be huge for us. And to continue to just believe in ourselves and to trust, you know, our teammates around us that we've made it, made it this far. We just, you know, have to continue doing that and not think too much about, you know, the end result, but know that that's, that's what we're going after. So you're from Colorado originally, and on this podcast earlier this year, we've had Lindsay Horan, who's also from Colorado originally. We had Mal Pugh, who's also from Colorado originally. And all of you are making big impacts at club level right now and with the national team. And I'm sort of fascinated with the idea of soccer hotbeds, and Colorado certainly seems like a talent hotbed, including in the women's game. What is it about the culture there that produces that? 
I, yeah, I get asked this question a lot. People ask me what's in the water in Colorado. Um, I mean, honestly, I can speak on my experience playing soccer in Colorado, and it's it's the club that I played for. It's the coaches that you know I had the you know honor of being coached by. I learned so much playing for Real Colorado. Like I had you know, amazing coaches there. The main one being Lauren Donaldson, who I give a lot of credit to, you know, helping me get to where I am today and believing in me um, and seeing the potential in me. So I think it's, it's the environment. It's the coaches who care about, you know, the development of players and who believe in players, even from the young age. And I just think, you know, having players, from Colorado to look up to for young girls right now. Um, for myself, you know, I had Mal to kind of follow in her footsteps and her, you know, Lindsay's a little older than her. So maybe it was Lindsay for her, but I think seeing people do it before you and, and come from the, the same place as you definitely helps a lot and match that with, you know, the amazing clubs that, you know, there, there are in Colorado. It's just, it's a good place to, to be a women's soccer player. And I was going to ask you about Lauren Donaldson because obviously he is the Jamaica women's national team coach now and they still uh, are in, you know, they're going to be at the World Cup. Uh, he's done a very good job there. What's, what's, what is he so good at? I mean, in, in, like, in, what did you learn from him that made him a special coach for you? Yeah, I mean, I think he's good at, for me, I'm someone who learns best from someone putting me in my place and someone telling me how it is being very honest with me, you know, not sugarcoating anything. And that's Lauren. So I guess if you are someone who doesn't handle that very well, maybe, you know, they would have had a different experience, but for me, that's what I needed. And that's what pushed me to continue to want to get better. And, and I think, you know, he's that, but he's also very caring and he's also, you know, someone to believe in you more than anyone else. And, to want what's best for you. And the way that he does that is just unlike any coach I've ever had. I mean, he, he knows soccer really well. He knows, you know, the details and he helps you work on those things. So what's an example of something that he might've said to you as a coach that was giving it to you straight that not every coach would do? I mean, there was, there was a lot of moments and obviously at the time, you know, I thought, this guy's crazy. I, I don't like him, but looking back, yeah, I absolutely love him. I think one of the biggest ones, I don't know if this helped me or not, but it's just a example of him being very honest. We were at a club game. I don't remember where. Um, and I, I don't know. I just wasn't having the best game. <laughs> um, and he, at halftime, he, in front of the whole team said something about, uh, do you think like these national team coaches are going to want to bring you into camp when you're playing like this? Some, something like that. And I was just like, I was just like embarrassed and wanted to cry and just like, how can this guy say that to me in front of everyone? Um, but he was just, you know, he got on me. And I think he knew at the time, maybe I didn't know this, but that's how you pissed me off and fired me up. And that's, you know, after that, I'm going to go out and prove to him why these national team coaches are going to bring me into camp. So that's just one example, but there's, yeah, there's quite a few that we laugh about now. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was in the stadium in Mexico when you were playing for the U.S. recently and scored this really absurd goal, amazing goal, with the outside of your foot. I guess Jamaica, I think. Um, 
What exactly was your thought process in the moment to even try something like that? Yeah, I I think when I get in my zone and when I am just playing without really thinking too much about things, I just try things. And I feel like I have the confidence within the national team now to play like that because that's, you know, that's how I know how to play. But I think in that moment, I just was figuring out how to get the ball in the back of the net. And I remember there was a defender coming on my left side. So if I would have waited for the ball to kind of settle down and hit it with my left foot, it would have gotten blocked. And I saw like the, the little opening on the, on the side, far side of the goalkeeper. And I just, yeah, I just thought this is, you know, the only way I can get it there. So let me try it. Hopefully it works, you know, and it, it worked. I, I hit it pretty good, but yeah, I think I just, when I feel good, I just try things. And I think that's what, you know, that's how those things happen. Are there any other sort of outrageous skill things like that, that you've been working on maybe in training to try and get right? Not, re- not really like specifically. I mean, in, in like training, when we do small side and stuff, I'm always trying new things and trying to be a little crafty and creative and figure out, yeah, ways to, I don't know, put on a show. But I think it mostly just comes to me in games and I envision it and then I just, yeah, I just do it. <laughs> so Vlad Komandonovsky down in Mexico, the U.S. coach said at one point, and this was after I think a, a really good game you had, maybe the Jamaica game said that he, you can be hard on yourself at times if you don't score in a game. Is that accurate? Is that changing? What's your sense? Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I've always considered myself a goal scorer. That's what I feel like I do best. Um, and that's what I feel like I can contribute to the teams that I'm on. I think as I've gotten older, um and you know played in different teams played in the league and with the national team i realized that it you know a goal doesn't mean a good performance and a good performance doesn't mean you had a goal um i'm starting to really realize that every game is different you know there'll be times where it's just not happening for me um in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net so it's how how can i help my teammates do that how can i set up my teammates and yeah i think i've just stopped putting so much emphasis on you know, if I score a goal, it's a good game. If I don't, it's a bad game because in reality, there's so much more happening in a game. When I was starting out covering soccer, like North Carolina had the biggest women's program. They won the NCAA title every year. And it seems like more recently, Stanford has become uh, the team, one of the couple teams that seems to win a heck of a lot at the college level. You went to Stanford, played there. And so I'm curious, like, what was your experience like playing at Stanford? I you know, did a big story not long ago on Katarina Macario. Like, you know, what was it like playing there with people like that? It was awesome. I loved everything about Stanford. I think the environment, you know, you have to be someone who who wants to win to play on that team. You have to be someone who wants to achieve greatness because, First of all, getting into Stanford is not easy, let alone being a, a student athlete at Stanford. It's it's hard. And I think when you fill a team with those types of, of people who just want to work hard, want to be great, want to win, you get, you know, the result that, that we've been getting. I think when I was there, we had an unreal team looking back. I mean, odd, you know, not to sound cocky or anything, but that had to have been one of the best, you know, college teams of all time looking at the people who were on that team, what we were able to accomplish. 
And I think just being on that team allowed me to grow in so many ways. And I could look around me left and right and learn from the players around me. And it was just a, a really amazing environment to be in. I saw recently that you signed a new three-year contract with the Thorns. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Did you have any interest in a European team or, or was it Portland all the way? I mean, I have always thought about going to Europe and playing overseas. It's it's always been an option. I think right now in my career, playing here, being close to home, Portland is just where I feel like I belong right now and, and it's where I want to be. Um, I love this city. I love the team. I love the club and I'm really happy right now. That's not to say that, you know, later down the road, there will be opportunities in, in Europe or abroad or wherever. That's definitely not crossed off my list. Um, it's just right now, this is what I feel like is best for me. And, and we'll see what happens later down the road. For a number of years, when I was covering the U.S. women's national team, um, it was a pretty white team. So I remember covering the 99 Women's World Cup. And actually recently, Brianna Scurry uh, met up with me here in New York. She had her book come out, wrote about her experience, and she was the only black starter on that U.S. team. And I'm wondering, now that we're finally seeing a lot of black players on the U.S. women's national team, is that something that you notice? Is that something that's important to you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I notice because I am one of them. Um, and it's not every day that I can look around me and see a lot of a lot of players like me. I mean, even growing up, I was always one of few black players on my club teams. Uh, I think it's great. I think representation matters. And for a lot of young, you know, black girls, girls of color out there looking at this team and watching this team play, I think it's great for them to see people who look like them and, and to know that that can be them too. Um, I think it's just, you still have to, you know, realize that, the people who are on this team deserve to be on this team for no reason other than how they're performing and what they can do on the field. And I think, you know, if that so happens to be a lot of, a lot of black girls, that's great. I think, you know, it's, it's time that we get the same recognition that, you know, everyone has gotten. And I think it's just, it's great to have, you know, more diversity in, in all aspects of life. So especially with this team, it's it's great for everyone, I think. Following you on Twitter, I, I saw that your boyfriend is the Stanford wide receiver, Michael Wilson. How do you influence each other as elite athletes? In so many ways. I mean, he's the most hardworking person I know, and I, I know a lot of athletes. Um, he does everything right. He does, you know, everything to set himself up for success. And I think that's something that I learned from and have continued to learn from him the past three years is how can I do the little details to set myself up, you know, to be successful and what does that look like? And he teaches me that. And I learned so much from him and I think vice versa. I think we're just very supportive of each other and understand, you know, the goals and dreams that we have and do everything we can to help each other achieve those and to support each other in whatever way we can, because you know, being athletes, it is stressful. And he's at Stanford, you know, and that's really stressful trying to balance athletics and academics. So just supporting each other and, and, you know, being there for each other and continuing to just help, you know, each other achieve our dreams and, and goals that we have. So when I told some friends, younger friends that I was interviewing you, one, they were excited. Uh, and then two, they said, they said, you got to ask her about the bubble braid. And, and I'm kind of like, I'm not usually a hair expert, as you can probably tell. So, uh, so 
I'm not always up on trends. Is the bubble braid sort of your thing? How did that start? Yeah, so I have two older sisters um, and my mom used to always put us in bubble braids when we were little. I think, you know, at the time I didn't realize I didn't think anything of it, but this year I, my hair has been a little longer and I've tried to find something, you know, new to do. And I didn't want to do just the traditional braid. I didn't want to do a bun anymore. So I kind of just one day with the national team did a bubble braid and I really liked it and I played really well. So I was like, okay, I think this is a, this is a season of the bubble braid and I've just done it ever since. And now I feel like that's been like my, I don't know, people associate me with the bubble braid and I, I can't change it now because it's it's already too far too far out there. <laughs> it's funny because I did a story a couple of months ago on the U.S. men's national team actually puts their money together to fly out a barber to national team camps occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy is here in New York, actually, is where he's based. So I went out to his barber shop, talked to yeah. him, really interesting figure. Do you have someone like that on the on the U.S. women's team or, or do you handle your hair yourselves? Uh, we did not. Uh, I want to say most people do their own hair. I think Pino obviously has someone that she goes to to get her crazy fun colors done. But yeah, as far as like game hair, most people do it themselves unless they need, you know, help doing a braid. And we have a few players on the team that that will help out with that. But we don't. Yeah, travel with a hairstylist. <laughs> I, I'm glad you've cleared up these very important <laughs> topics. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, though. I, I love yeah, this stuff. Good question. Um, and I guess one thing I would ask is it's, it's August. And so right a year from now is the World Cup. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of things happening at club level between now and then. You'll have big national team games coming up. Um, Let's ask about one of those big national team games against England. I was at the Euro final in Wembley. It was full. It's going to be full again in October when the world champion U.S. plays the European champion England. Game mm -hmm. sold out in like 24 hours. Um, what's your sense of this game? What's your excitement level? I'm beyond excited. I mean, I think it's going to be a great test for us. This is a top, top team. And... It's always a rivalry game when we when we play England. So I think it's it's just going to be a really good game. And to play in Wembley and to have it sold out is it's like a dream come true for any soccer player. So I am beyond excited. I know everyone on the team cannot wait. Obviously, you know, we have to prepare for it and, and be ready for it because it's not going to be easy. But I think it's going to be great. And it's it's just great for women's soccer in general. Now, I had Heather O'Reilly on the podcast last week and I I asked her to handicap the game, and I realize it's a friendly, but still, she said she gave a slight advantage to England just because they've come through a harder tournament than the U.S. did in CONCACAF, even though you did beat Canada, the Olympic gold medalist, in the final. Um, do you disagree with Heather, or what's your response to anyone who thinks that England has the edge in this game? Um, I think that opinion is not, you know not rare. I think everyone thinks what they want to think. We really do not care. We don't, yeah, we don't care. We will do what we need to do to, you know, get a result in this game and, and not only this game, but in every tournament we play in, including the World Cup. And if people want to doubt us or not believe in us, that's their own, that's their own choice. But yeah, we don't care. <laughs> 
I do want to ask you about the year between now and the World Cup for this U.S. team, because Andonovsky in Mexico said, when he was asked about this topic, he was like, if the World Cup were tomorrow, I wouldn't say that we're totally ready. We will be ready for the World Cup a year from now. And so from your perspective, what are some of the things that you think will be ready for the World Cup that maybe wouldn't be ready tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of new faces on this team, a lot in which are young and don't have a lot of, you know, experience on a big stage playing against big opponents. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a great new fresh energy. But at the same time, we have to build those relationships. We have to find the chemistry and we can only do that with experience and with time. Um, So having the friendlies that we have coming up and using every single moment we have in camp together, I think is so important for us. And I, I know by the time the World Cup comes around, it will be, it will just flow and we will all play so well together. And yeah, I just, it's just a, a matter of time before everything starts clicking like really well, because I mean, the talent that we have and, and the, the players that we have that want to win everything, it's, it's unreal. And I think it's just, you know, it's just trusting that, with time, with, you know, games, it will be really, really fun. And it's just, it's just a matter of time before it's all, you know, it's all flowing. I just want to finish up with one more question. And usually I ask this when I talk to a young player, and it's the first time we sat down for an interview together. What do you want to achieve in your career? I mean, I want to be the best in the world. That's, I want to be the best player in the world. That's always been my goal. That's always been my dream. Even when I was little, I know it's, a big goal, but it's something that I know that I can achieve. And I think, you know, as long as I continue to be confident and, and, you know, bring what I can to, to every, every game, I'll, I think, you know, achieve that. And in terms of goals, I, I want to win everything that I play in. I want to help the Thorns become, you know, a great team, even better than they've already been. And the national team, I want to continue the legacy that this U.S. national team has had and, and take it even farther and just, you know, just grow each and every day as a player and as a person and use the experiences that I get to help me in life even after soccer. Sophia Smith is the MVP favorite this season in the NWSL and one of the electric young attackers on the U.S. women's national team. Sophia, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Sophia Smith as well as producer Chris Whittingham. See you next time.